So plus or minus, I think this is the number. All right, roughly 101,762 plots to take out Trump. You know, the big ones, the Russia hoax, the two impeachments, aspects of covid. But there were so many more big and small. The swamp always working against him, trying to trip him up, trying to sabotage his presidency and essentially ruining it for America. This latest thing with the search of Mar-a-Lago, they've gone too far. And by putting it in writing like this, this is a sinister document written by sinister men with very diabolical goals. Now, they've worked themselves up into a frenzy. Some of them believe it. Some of them believe that Donald Trump is a monster. He's not, but they believe the fake news. They believe the rhetoric. It's fun. That's the way they pass the time. Who knows? But I can prove to you, actually, that this latest stuff about the classified documents in Mar-a-Lago and the president, it's not true. We can prove it right now. It's easy. Take a look. January 20th, 2021, 2021. He's leaving the White House for the last time as president. I think he'll be back as president. But notice anything? He's not carrying anything. All right. He has no documents with him. All right. Melania has a purse. Do you think they're in there? Now, they're talking about dozens of boxes, right? He doesn't have anything, folks. This is actually relevant. The fake news, the lawyers will say, oh, no, 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 you're simplifying it. No, this is important. And when he gets off of Marine One at Andrews Air Force Base, does he have anything? Did he take paperwork? Was it waiting for him? No, he did not. He did not pack this material himself. And when he gets on Air Force One after a short speech to supporters, again, he has nothing in his possession. Every step of the way, he's monitored. He did not take this material to um, to Mar-a-Lago. He didn't. Look, does that sound plausible and reasonable? Do you want to go with me or do you want to go with this guy? Some of those documents were marked top secret, sensitive compartmented information. Uh, that is among the highest designation in terms of the, the <laughs> extremely great. Again, again, this guy has the nerve to show his face in public after all of the lies, after being so wrong for so long, they go to him again. And they never point out, uh, excuse me, but everything you told us about uh, the Russia probe turned out to be wrong. No, it's just right back to where we started from. How about this guy? The zombie, I like to call him, Judge Ludig. This is what Trump derangement syndrome will do to you, by the way. That's what he looks like now after Trump derangement syndrome. Before Trump derangement, he, he looked perfectly fine. And now he even talks weird. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters... are a clear and present danger to American democracy. Thanks. You see how crazy it is, right? I, as a supporter, you, if you're a supporter, you're a clear and present danger to American democracy. By clear and present danger, we talked about this last week, they can go to extraordinary means. They can shut down half the Constitution to take us out. This is crazy stuff. They are the threat. This kind of rhetoric undermines democracy. Now, back to the bureaucracy, all right? With that guy's a part of so many people there. 
I think this is a small example of just how bad the system is. The National Archives, you've heard of them, right? That's where we keep all of our precious documents. And I do mean precious, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence. You can go inside and see these things, but they retain a lot more than, uh, than those items. Uh, just about everything that's written by every president goes into some sort of storage unit at some point or another, all right? So these archivists are partisan people. They're bureaucrats. Early on in Trump's administration, they were making fun of him on Twitter. <laughs> Career bureaucrats, look at this. Fun fact, President Nixon never fired the director of the FBI. Now, what are they doing? They did that when Trump fired Comey, President Trump fired Comey. They didn't like it, the swamp. These are, again, bureaucrats, federal employees who felt emboldened to go to Twitter and make fun of the commander-in-chief because the swamp, <laughs> they were working against him. Now, officially, they had to chide these employees. They had to. It was a minor story at the time. As a federal government agency, the National Archives does not condone or engage in partisan or political conversations. A tweet from Tuesday, May 9th, that was not representative of the policies of the library or National Archives. You sure about that, pal? Next, the National Archives is examining the training provided to employees who post to social media, blah, 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 retraining everybody. Um, if you made fun of your boss, huh? And they did not fire you. They retrained you. Who could do that publicly on Twitter? Well, people in the swamp. Uh, archives are behind all of this. They may have had a role either in planting um, documents. Who knows? It's possible. They did not like them. I think this is proof of that. Take a look at this. It's an agency you probably have never heard of, but they're very important. The General Services Administration. It's essentially like they run the physical plant of the federal government. It's a huge agency, huge budget, and they would have been responsible for moving the president's material goods to Mar-a-Lago, all right? They are actually the movers for the government. They would have contracted. They would have been involved in moving the president down south. What did they do? Were they as resentful and spiteful as the National Archives or people at the Pentagon or the Treasury Department or basically everywhere in the swamp? Because they're loyal to the swamp. They're loyal to their jobs, not to the people. Yeah, I think we have to take a good look at them and what they may have been up to. Uh, so we've heard this. Uh, we've heard this song before, haven't we? The home of the 45th president of the United States has been raided by the FBI. We're continuing to track breaking news. A judge has unsealed the search warrant used to search Mar-a-Lago, showing the FBI took 11 sets of classified documents. Chilling breaking news about the FBI's search of Mar-a-Lago. The Washington Post reporting agents were looking for nuclear documents. Tonight, we start with that breaking news. Our first look at the search warrant used to seize those highly classified documents. Our former President Trump is saying on his own social media platform. That All right. Good times, right? Mainstream media feels like the Russia probe, even sounds like the Russia probe. Trump is good for business and they can't can't quit him. Breaking news in the Russia investigation dominates the program tonight and reaches directly into the president's inner circle. We are covering the breaking news that Bob Mueller, the special counsel investigating ties between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia. We've got breaking news on MSNBC. Everything they said, everything was wrong. Everything. I mean, and they're doing it again. They're doing it all over. They have no memory. They never learn. What is it? What is it about these vain, silly people? I don't know exactly, 
But they're telling us, these vain, silly people, that the most trusted organization is the FBI. How do you feel about that? Here's proof that they are not to be trusted. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed to say this, but the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the D.C. office, still has this silly tweet. The FBI is still seeking information regarding people who committed violence at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Now, and by the way, these are the folks, some of the folks they're looking for. Now, if they were serious, if they were a trustworthy law enforcement agency, they would have told their political masters by now that you're overreacting to January 6th. We've done everything we can do here. All right. No, they're not giving them a, a clear, uh, objective, professional view of what happened on January 6th. They're keeping it going for their political masters. So are they going to now blame us, those who have been questioning the FBI's ethics and professionalism for some of the things that are happening in America? Oh, yeah, they are. So in Cincinnati, you may have heard that a man tried to attack an FBI field office. Now, this is a horrible thing. We have rules and laws against this. This should not have happened. Yet, this is America. We're adults. We don't modulate our language in case there's a lunatic who's listening. Okay? We don't do it that way. You know, I could blame, or could I, Bernie Sanders for that guy who showed up at the ball field in Virginia and shot Steve Scalise? Could I blame Bernie Sanders for that? I wouldn't. And I think that would be unfair. But the guy was motivated, had a far left agenda. So they're trying to govern the way we speech. Don't let them do that. And the FBI was interested in him. They had done several, several inquiries into, uh, into him, no specific credible threat. But they attempted to talk to him multiple times and were not able to. Ah, quick reminder that the FBI, you ever notice this? They always... Just missed the guy or, oh, we're about to talk to him, but we got sidetracked with too many cases. This has been the story of the Bureau. I mean, going back to the JFK assassination, you can look it up next. There is no doubt that what happened uh, at Mar-a-Lago this week, and really not the action itself of a search warrant being executed, but the way Trump framed it, the way Republican officials framed it, that was a trigger for him. How does she know? How does she know that? Has she been through, <laughs> talked to all of his relatives? What? Read his diary? How do you know that exactly? A trigger. What was triggering him last week? This guy's insane. All right. Next. Um, we're in the middle of an eight-year uptick of domestic terrorism activity. Uh, it is really stunning to me that in the midst of that environment, we have Republican officials that seem to have not learned the lessons from the last six years that their rhetoric can incite violence. Look it up. Look what she was saying. Look at what her friends were saying. The mainstream media, Democrats, about Black Lives Matter summer for years now, actually. Did they condemn this? No. Their rhetoric glorified it, sanctified it. This was a righteous cause. And if you weren't with them, you were against them. Remember that? Where were they? Where was their law support for law enforcement then? Thing is also, that was a big lie. That somehow people of color, the existential threat they face is from police. That's not true. And there are no statistics to back it up whatsoever. But this, this warrant, this is real. They failed us before and they're going after Trump again. Are we to believe them now? I don't think so. Meanwhile, does it insult you like it insults me that Joe Biden's on vacation? 
I don't know if you've noticed, but um, I take Fridays off in August. That's it. I take a little bit of time around Thanksgiving and a little bit of time around Christmas. This guy, I personally resent that he's on vacation right now. What a joke. Stay with us. How about this guy? What does he think he is, a prince on vacation again, riding a bike? About to pop a wheelie, are you, Joe? On vacation. You know, not a care in the world, eh, Joe? Trying to look like you're something? I don't get it. And a year ago, right now, what was happening? Afghanistan was falling into the hands of the Taliban. Our botched withdrawal, orchestrated by Joe Biden, Mark Milley and Lloyd Austin, the Taliban took over, went into the palace. Where are we right now? We are back to where we were in Afghanistan before September 11th, 2001. They are once again harboring terrorists. They are terrorists. It is a terrorist state. Remember how terrible it was when we got out, how we got out, all those people packed into the planes um, and the Marines and soldiers we lost, 13 of them, totally unnecessary. David Lee Espinoza. Nicole Gee, Kareem Nakui, Ryan Knauss, Humberto Sanchez, Hunter Lopez, Maxton Soviet, D- Dylan Marola, Johanny Rosario Pichardo, Dagan William Tyler Page, Taylor Hoover, Riley McCollum, and Jared Schmitz. They came home in the most tragic way in coffins at Dover Air Force Base. You may remember Joe Biden, well, it looked like he couldn't be bothered. Checking his watch, I guess it was a Friday. Was he looking to get out of town or back to... And what did he say would happen in Afghanistan the month before? The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Turned out to be far worse. The withdrawal from Afghanistan was far worse. And now the president of the United States is on vacation, riding that silly bike on the beach and in a house, a $20 million mansion, we're told, and he's not paying a dime. You know, I got to stay in a hotel next weekend. I'm already kind of sweating the price. I'm a bit of a... (laughs) I'm frugal. I don't like this. Do you? And the president of the United States, he can go to Camp David. What's wrong with Camp David? We have a beautiful resort just for presidents, okay? It's got a great big lodge for all your grandkids, Joe, and, uh, and a pool. Even Barack Obama had fun in the pool. And you know what? If you don't want to go to Camp David, I know it's in the woods. Uh, you can go to any beach that the military has access to. As Commander-in-Chief, he could go to Marine Corps Base Hawaii. I've been there. It is a beautiful location. They've got beautiful guest houses. He could stay at the commanding general's house. But no, he wants to stay at some person, the widow of a wealthy financier. If she wants a favor, I think she'll get one, don't you? I mean, that's the way. doesn't always work this way for presidents. Eisenhower. Eisenhower. Who didn't love Eisenhower? I think he was pretty powerful. You know where he spent his August? Take a look at this place. <laughs> that house. Yeah. That, you know where it was? His mother-in-law. 
1955, he spent almost the entire summer in this house. And uh, I think we have a picture of it back then. Yep. And he stayed with his mother-in-law. What a great guy, huh? I don't know what it is with these politicians. They get a little bit of power. They just crave all this stuff. We got a problem right here in New York. Our new governor, Hochul is her name. She is captivated by the trappings. Take a look at this. She gets a great big mansion. That's a mistake. And she gets to sound all huffy and puffy when something goes wrong. Kind of like she reminds me of a, I don't know, somebody who just found teenagers drinking in her backyard. As your governor, New York State will always stand up to protect freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and we condemn the cowardly attack on Salman Rushdie. Now that's going to do it, right? Hey, if you're in New York, avoid stages. Salman Rushdie wrote that controversial book back in the 80s, uh, was stabbed on stage outside of Buffalo. Take a look. This is really bad. He was seriously injured. He may lose an eye. Uh, we hope he survives and pulls through. But being on stage is dangerous in New York. Uh, this happened to Lee Zeldin, Congressman Lee Zeldin. He's running for governor. Look what happened to him. He was almost stabbed. This is just a couple of weeks ago. This is New York State. And it's not just politicians or celebrity authors. It's regular people. And you don't have to be on stage. You can be just walking down the street. Huh? You see this? Now, this happened last year when Kathy Hochul was lieutenant governor. The guy who did it, let's take a look at him. His name is uh, Wright, Wright, uh, Alexander Wright. And he's been arrested uh, more than 40 times at this point, eight times alone in 2020. And here's the thing. We believe that Mr. Wright was let out of custody shortly after that attack and has attacked yet again, we believe. This individual, uh, a subway worker for the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, by all accounts a great guy, was attacked when he came to the defense of some women on the subway who were being hassled by, we believe, Alexander Wright. But Kathy Hochul, who wants to be governor so desperately, she's running for a term in her own right. Look at all the security she gets. Look at that. She looks like she she thinks she's some sort of a princess or something like that. This is not how it works. This is not how it's supposed to work. Yes, when you get all that security, when you get your own house, you don't care. I just don't think you care. Hey, Governor Abbott of Texas, I like you. Texas is providing charter buses to send these illegal immigrants who have been dropped off by the Biden administration to Washington, D.C., and also New York City has been added to the list. I live here. I have mixed feelings about it, actually, because, well, well, I don't think that we should have more undocumented people here. All right. Uh, Eric Adams, <laughs> our new very incompetent mayor, is kind of lost on this one. This is a real burden on New Yorkers as we're trying to do the right thing. Uh, we already, as I stated, we already have an overburdened shelter system. So now we're talking about, as you stated, food, clothing, school. 
this is going to impact our uh, our schools because we do not turn away individuals because they're undocumented. Uh, translation services. There's just a whole host of things that this is going to produce, and that's why we need we need help and getting this done, and we need the right coordination to make it happen. <laughs> right coordination, getting it done. Maybe we could have somebody like, I don't know, a mayor. <laughs> he doesn't know how to do his job. And, oh, by the way, actually talking about a sanctuary city is a lot easier than being a sanctuary city. Take a look at uh, his tweet during the campaign. We should protect our immigrants, period. Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. Thanks a lot. I think he regrets that. Hey, stay with us. Uh, you heard about the serial killer going after Muslims in New Mexico, a horrible case. Well, they have a suspect in custody. And what they won't say about him is interesting. Stay with us. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. All I can can say say is that that the fake fake news just doesn't doesn't get it, do they? Now, this guy is fake from ABC News. He even looks fake. He even sounds fake. Take a look. A confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Even the story is fake. Did you catch that? A white woman got into an argument with a black man and it was national news. I still can't get over that. All right. Now, uh, that was a few months ago. Let's update it. Uh, ooh, last week, they had a story about that uh, very bad situation in New Mexico. Muslim men were being killed, they believe, by a serial killer. Listen to how they framed it. A major break in the murders of four Muslim men killed in separate attacks in New Mexico. We turn to the other news this Tuesday night and a major development in the investigation of the murders of four Muslim men in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Tonight, an arrest in the murders of four Muslim men in Albuquerque. We arrested 51-year-old Mohammed Saeed and charged him for the murder of two Muslim men in our community. We are working with the district attorney's office on potential charges for the murder of two other Muslim men. The four Muslim men were shot and killed over the course of the past nine months. Three of them murdered in just a two-week span. All right. Terrible. I, uh, I'm so sorry this happened and uh, our best to the families as they struggle with this. But did you notice what they did not say about the assailant, the alleged assailant? Police now say they have tracked down the vehicle believed to be linked to the attacks and the driver now a primary suspect, in their words, in custody. We arrested 51-year-old Mohammed Saeed and charged him for the murder of two Muslim men in our community. Authorities saying they located multiple firearms linked to the murders, one found inside the suspect's vehicle, another inside his home. But authorities believe Saeed is responsible for at least two of these murders, and they'll be working with prosecutors to determine his involvement in the other two. But tonight, police are saying it was tips from the community that led them to that vehicle of interest and also to Saeed as a suspect. All right. Did you notice anything? Uh, The victims, Muslim, 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 Muslim. The suspect, a driver, a man, a suspect, a driver, Mohammed Saeed, nothing about his faith, which is said to be Muslim. 
Now, why would they leave that out? I mean, if it's relevant to the victim, isn't it relevant to the alleged assailant? I think so. However, in their minds, I think it clouds the issue just a little bit. They uh, puts them in an uncomfortable position somehow. I don't know if I get it. All right. Fox News, do you like it? It's really, really changing. With all of these threats going around, it would ultimately be great if the former president, who has always been a great supporter of law enforcement, had posed with a thousand police departments coast to coast. It would be great if he called for an end to the violent rhetoric against federal law enforcement, and in particular, the FBI that was just doing their job. Okay, violent rhetoric is always wrong, all right, whether it's from the left or the right. But the call from President Trump, if he were to do that, I think it makes an assumption that we, those who are critical of the FBI are somehow uh, putting it at risk. That's not fair. That's wrong. And to have President Trump make that kind of statement, I mean, how often did he ask President Biden to make such a statement about the far left? Hmm? I don't know, but I just noticed a real change of tone over there, don't you? Next. The DOJ usually doesn't indict a case within 60 to 90 days of a general election. So are we thinking we'll find out more about this after the midterms? Uh, not necessarily, because right now Trump is not on any ballots. And so the midterm election, uh, if that standard is going to be applied, should not apply oh, yeah. to Trump. If, it was, uh, if he was an announced candidate, it might be different. But if they're worried about interfering with an election, since he is not, uh, has not put himself forward for any of these congressional contests, yeah. uh, then that, that should not be an issue. Yeah. Should not be an issue. He's making endorsements every single day. Of course, Trump is on the ballot. Maybe not literally, but this close to an election, it's not to be considered. Um, look, I like the Ducies a lot. Uh, I just wonder what they're being told lately over there at Fox. Not nearly as bad, though, as MSNBC, which is woke and weird, especially, especially on the weekends. And it's all about race. Charles, before we go, tell us how the criminal justice system specifically targets um, black creativity, because I think that is the biggest point here. Right. Um, the congressman did a good job of explaining that, but I think there's still a level, um, a layer of attack that happens to us. We're over police, even if it's not sure. through the legal system, we're over police in our tone, our expression, what Absolutely. we write, what we say in every capacity, from cable news to the music industry. In every, uh, talk about a victim complex. I'm sorry. And she perceives that black creativity is under fire. Uh, this is a crazy show. Next. Despite the good economic news that uh, this week that inflation appears to be slowing, I thought, yeah, tell that to the many of you watching out there. High prices are likely in store for some time, and that will continue to wreak havoc in many communities of color. A new poll by NPR shows that a majority of black, Latino, and Native American families report facing serious financial problems due to higher prices. Now, compare that to the smaller percentage of white Americans feeling the inflation pain. Let's turn to Dorothy Brown, a tax professor at Georgetown Law School and author of The Whiteness of Wealth, a great book. The Whiteness of Wealth. Well, I haven't read it, but I feel very confident in saying that is not a great book. OK, OK. All right. Stay with us. 
Why did the attorney general decide to file civil rights charges against the police in the Brianna Taylor case two years later? We're joined by an officer who knows this case very, very well. He was there when Brianna Taylor was killed. He also was there when the bullets were flying in his direction. We'll be right back. Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Brianna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. Brianna Taylor should be alive today. The Justice Department is committed to defending and protecting the civil rights of every person in this country. Except these individuals, we believe, these police officers, it looks like their civil rights may have been violated, in my opinion. So much fake news about the case of Brianna Taylor. Um, it would be great if she were alive. It would have been great also if she had never gotten mixed up with uh, Kenneth Walker. I would like to bring in Sergeant John Mattingly, former Louisville Metro Police Department sergeant. He was there that night. He was actually shot that night. And his new book, 12 Seconds in the Dark, a police officer's firsthand account of the Breonna Taylor raid is now available uh, wherever books are sold. Sir, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Greg. How are you doing? Fine, fine. How do you feel about the uh, the move by the federal government against uh, your fellow officers? Well, it came as a surprise. I was out of town and I got a call about seven o'clock uh, last Thursday morning and people were asking, man, are you okay? You know, do you know what's going on? And, um, you know, I was as surprised as anybody else. And then the, probably the most surprising part was when I read the indictment, some of the stuff that was said in it that, you know, kind of blindsided me and, and blind, blindsided a lot of us that were involved, actually. Uh, I want to play a, a moment where the attorney general of Kentucky, uh, Daniel Cameron, spoke specifically about you and I believe these words exonerate you from any wrongdoing. Let's look at that, please. Our investigation showed, and the grand jury agreed, that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified in their return of deadly fire after having been fired upon by Kenneth Walker. Uh, there it is. And do me a favor. How did you feel when the attorney general, and there was a great deal of political pressure, came back with that conclusion? Well, it felt good that, that he actually went by the law and by what took place that night in the evidence and didn't fall to the pressure of the Beyonce's and the Kamala Harris's and them of the world who kept pressuring him, sending him uh, letters and emails, and, and they were flooding him with calls. Um, so it was good to see that somebody actually had guts and stood up and did the right thing. Can you tell us what happened that night, please? Yeah, so we were helping out. Uh, those of us that were on the raid weren't even involved in the investigation. And when we went there that night and we knocked and announced, we, and we gave her an exorbitant amount of time, not, not like we normally do. Normally, you know, it's, it's five to 10 seconds, whatever's reasonable amount, according to the Supreme Court. This night we were asked, hey, can you give her a little extra time? She's a heavy set black female. Uh, she's there alone, and we would love for her to cooperate. So knock, knock, and give her more time. So we gave her about a minute, knocking and announcing, knocking and announcing. We even had a, a interaction with a gentleman upstairs who heard us yelling, "Police search warrant!" Came out and argued with us. Uh, as soon as that door came open, though, because they didn't come to the door, uh, as soon as I stepped into the doorway, I was met with gunfire by Kenneth Walker. He and Brianna Taylor were at the end of this hallway. 
basically overlapping one another, very narrow hallway, very dark. We had some ambient light coming from the TV, and uh, as soon as we received fire, we returned fire, and it, it was over as quick as it started. And what about this being the right address or the wrong address of the person you were actually looking for? No, everything was correct. Uh, she was on the address, uh, her social or date of birth, vehicle, everything was there. Everything was there. She was not asleep in bed. Um, Jamarcus Glover, who was the other target of this warrant, was not in custody previously, like Ben Crump and all those said. So just a lot of false uh, accusations came out about this that were not addressed by our city, were not addressed by our department. Therefore, this thing got so out of hand so quick. And even to this day, they haven't addressed it. And that's been one of the big travesties involved here because so many people's lives were affected uh, by the lies that came out that just, just weren't, you know, stood up to. That's the reason I wrote the book. And you were shot and you were seriously injured. I believe, How? what happened that night? How badly were you hurt? What happened next? So as soon as I was shot, I returned fire. Then I reached down and felt and I had a handful of blood. So I knew it was an artery bleed. Uh, I'd seen plenty of these on the street. Uh, they got a tourniquet on me, luckily, within a minute. And so that, that saved my life there because it took us about 40 minutes to get to the hospital. Um, so uh, tourniquet on the leg, the, the bullet ripped through a femoral artery. Uh, they had to replace about six or eight inches of that. It was about a five-hour surgery. So it was touch and go there for the first few minutes. But once they got the, the, the tourniquet on, you know, we knew everything was going to be okay as long as we could get to the hospital. Uh, I'd like to put up some um, uh, full screens. Brianna, facts ignored. And do us a favor, check us uh, on this. Uh, she was in a relationship with man police wanted. That's correct, correct? Yes. It's, she was involved in his drug enterprise, Correct. Correct. She was holding money for him, yes. Uh, police announced themselves. That happened? Yes, sir. Uh, next screen, please. Boyfriend fired the first shot. That has been universally substantiated, correct? Yes, it has. And as you mentioned a moment ago, she was standing next to the boyfriend. She was not in bed asleep. Correct. Um, wow, that's a lot of fake news because uh, yeah. that has been... That's been out there. And to this day, the name Brianna Taylor, and I'm very sorry she's dead. I really am. She seemed like, uh, I think she was an EMT and worked in a hospital, and that seems great. But Well, that's another false thing there, Greg. So they, they put her up in this EMT outfit. She was an EMT from 2016 to early 2017 for five months. She was still in probation, was fired from that position. And she was not an award-winning EMT. She did pass the test and, and got into the probation period. But that's another you know, thing that pulls on the heartstrings. Now, she was working in a hospital uh, helping out, but the, the part of the, the front line out there helping us on the street, it was just inaccurate. Well, I, I look forward to your book. Uh, and where can people get it on Amazon? You know, sometimes it's tough to get a book out like this. Uh, where can people buy this? Yeah, Amazon right now is the best place to get it. We've discounted at half price. So uh, easy read, affordable to get. Uh, share it with some friends who, who don't know the truth, because there's a lot of stuff in here that we can't you know, cover in this short period of time that people's jaws will just drop and, and they'll be upset at the government. Um, you left the police department. You retired with full benefits, correct, I hope? Correct, yes. What are you doing now? Well, we're traveling around speaking to uh, police organizations, encouraging them, telling the story, telling them the pitfalls they can avoid to not be like me, how to handle these situations once they come out with the media and with their departments and how to get ahead of these things because these departments and cities will not have your back. They're going to cover their self first. Uh, but, and we're also giving resources to people who are in similar situations that we've been in as far as wrongfully accused, fired by their, by their departments, left hung out to dry, 
and just and just encouraging them because we've got a pandemic right now and that's that's multiple police officers leaving these departments and most departments are down 25 30 percent hey one more thing i want to take a quick look at merrick garland you said you read the indictment of these four officers uh you used to work with them you saw some mistakes in it overall your opinion of the case against those officers and what was going on here in this indictment what motivated it and is it is it a dirty indictment? Is it bad? Is it corrupt? Uh, is it legit? How would you characterize it? Well, from the information I know, uh, Brett Hankinson's getting railroaded. He was the one that was with me on scene, had nothing to do with the investigation. I think Garland just had to put somebody on the front lines. And you had Kristen Clark, who is over the Civil Rights Division, uh, months before she even got placed in that position, putting tweets out saying that, that Brett needed to be in prison. And so I think that's kind of a conflict of interest. Um, he already faced state charges, was acquitted on those. They're bringing these charges back on the federal level to try to do whatever they can to, to put somebody on scene there. Uh, you see Sergeant Meany there. Uh, I don't know his involvement directly. I think he's kind of getting railroaded as well, but, but I don't know the intricacies of that. Uh, the other two, though, it sounds like, you know, some inappropriate stuff took place, and that's going to have to play out in court because Kelly uh, Goodland already took a plea, it sounds like, and gave some information on against uh, Detective Jane. So we'll see how that plays out. I hate to jump the gun because we were we were accused of so much, so many things that just weren't true, but it, it doesn't look good on those two. All right. Thank you very much, John Mattingly. We uh, look forward to reading your book, and uh, best of luck. Thanks, Craig. You bet. And we'll be right back. So when the fake news wants to get the scoop on the FBI, they go to this guy, Peter Strzok, one of the most disgraced FBI agents in the history of the Bureau, except for those who actually went to jail. And there are some in jail right now. Uh, but this guy, huh? Peter Strzok. You know Peter Strzok. More on what he did in a moment. But first, he gets the, the royal treatment and all kinds of excuses and apologies almost. The FBI makes mistakes. The church makes mistakes. People make mistakes. They screw up. Uh, should this be any reason uh, for Americans not trust that what the FBI and the DOJ are doing now is in pursuit of protecting classified documents? Well, Joe, absolutely. The American public should trust what the FBI is doing. OK, absolutely. Why? Why would we? Especially you. Now, uh, Look at this text message. This is, I think, smoking gun proof. Uh, Trump's not ever going to become president, right? From Lisa Page, senior lawyer at the FBI, and from her boyfriend, Strzok. No, no, he won't. We'll stop it. Remember, Strzok was in the Oval Office on January 5th, 2017, brainstorming with these people about how they could get Trump, and they were really focused on Michael Flynn and Joe Biden himself, said out loud, maybe we can get him on the Logan Act. And Peter Strzok wrote that down, the Logan Act, this ancient law that nobody ever gets prosecuted under. It was such harassment of a good man, Michael Flynn. And Peter Strzok had a key role in that. It goes beyond DOJ and the FBI, so much of the swamp, including the intelligence community, out to get Trump, the Steele dossier, all that nonsense. Uh, Trump took a big shot back via Twitter, as he was doing back then. Intelligence agencies should never have allowed this fake news to leak into the public. One last shot at me. Are we living in Nazi Germany? Now, 10 days later, he becomes president. 
and he wants to make nice. And I actually thought this was a pretty, uh, pretty generous uh, offer. The reason you're my first stop is that, as you know, I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. (laughs) And they sort of made it sound like I had a feud with the intelligence community. And I just want to let you know, the reason you're number one stop, uh, it is exactly the opposite. That was very nice. His very first full day as president, he goes to CIA headquarters to make nice, but they would not, they would not refrain. They tried to sabotage him. I really believe that. And we're living with the results right now. If you think, uh, if you think they didn't sabotage him, listen to Democrat uh, Chuck Schumer. This is the way it works down there. He's taking these Shots, this antagonism, yep. this taunting to the intelligence tell community. You, you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this. We should have congressional hearings into that, into what he just said. Why would they get back at you? For what purpose? And what would they do? Would they sacrifice national security? Would they undermine a president? Would they sabotage a president? I think so. But I think we should have hearings, huh? Maybe once the Republicans, if they take over Congress in the fall, we'll see. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now there's a place America gets its news. Newsmax, where real news for real people. Millions are turning off the old channels and switching to Newsmax, the fastest growing cable news channel in America. No agenda, no spin, just the facts. Millions watches, so can you. Newsmax, we are real news for real people. 586 days without justice for Ashley Babbitt. We're not giving up. We'll be with you tomorrow.